Hello and welcome back to the PAL with Reb T, the Pirkei Avos Learning. This year where we talk a Mishnah of Pirkei Avos per day with sagely commentary and practical advice to say. We're looking at Season 4, Chapter 5, Mishnah 4. A heads up, we have about 30 or so episodes left. So factoring in probably taking a week hiatus for Pesach, we're going to try to shoot for finishing this season probably around mid-May or so. And of course, the OT show, we try to go to the end of the year, so stay with us. So now we are in 5-4, talking 10 again. Ten miracles were performed for our ancestors in Egypt and ten at the sea. Ten, the Holy One, blessed is He, brought, brought ten plagues upon the Egyptians in Egypt and ten on the sea. Our ancestor tested the omnipresent with ten tests in the desert, as it says, they tested me these ten times, have not listened to my voice. So first off, the idea of miracles in general. You know, there are different types of miracles. Everything in life really is a miracle. And also, not testing God. We don't test Hashem, except in one area. Hashem says, you're allowed to test me. I think it comes from Micha, where when it comes to giving Maser, Aser to Aser, the Torah says, Aser b'shvil shetit asher. Give Maser in order you will become rich. Hashem says, you know, give, 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 and you'll see what happens. You'll see if I'll richen you or not. Hashem saying, yes, you will be rich, and the idea of being rich might be that you're rich with your happiness. Who is rich? Someone who's actually happy with his lot, content with his lot. But in general, the idea, thinking about and being that we're involved in not testing Hashem. We don't test Hashem. We don't ask Hashem for tests either. We try to go about our life as best we can every single day, hoping that we're not tested, hoping that we don't have Nisyonos. And the people in the Midbar, Hashem says, they tested me these ten times. That was not a good thing. And miracles in general, there's two types of miracles in general. There's the Nisim Gloyim and the Nisim Nistarim. There's basically hidden miracles and open miracles. But again, everything in life, everything in life is a miracle. Life itself is a miracle. Pregnancy and birth is a miracle. Children and all of us living every day is a miracle. Having a job, having a house, a miracle, miracle. You know, having a spouse, having children, having friends, all miracles. You know, every aspect of life is a miracle. But there are two types, you know, the, the Purim versus the Pesach. Pesach was an open miracle. Hashem destroyed the Egyptians coming up in a few weeks, even less than a few weeks. Pesach is looming, coming upon us. Hashem destroyed the Mitzrim. Hashem destroyed the Egyptians very openly, Ten Makos, and the Kriyas Yamsuf, and bringing down the Torah at Harsinai, open miracles. But then there are the hidden miracles. They're hidden just because we don't think about them, even though they're right before our eyes. You know, the fact that there's nature, quote-unquote nature, the fact that there's weather, quote-unquote weather, that's all from Hashem. The fact that there's cold days and hot days, the fact that there's summer and spring and winter and fall, these are all miracles that are hidden in the fact that Hashem hides Himself behind 
whatever invention humanity calls it, but of course it's all from Hashem. Everything is from Hashem. So in general, everything that Hashem gives us is a miracle. Some of them are open and some of them are hidden. And sometimes we get to see the Yad Hashem. Sometimes we get to appreciate and understand the Yad Hashem by looking for the Hashkacha practice, by seeing the Hashkacha practice, seeing Hashem's hand in everyday life. I love the Divine Providence stories. You know, I was going to go to the market, but then I thought not to. And I'm like, you know what? I need to pick up two items. Lo and behold, I ran into David. I haven't seen David in 25 years. And David happened to tell me of this amazing connection for my business. And because of that connection, going to the supermarket for that one time, I was able to make a $1,000 deal, which I never would have been able to do unless Hashem arranged it in such an exact way. Ashkacha practices itself also a miracle. We have a whole lecture series about divine providence. Amazing, the prominence of divine providence. Go see that on the lecture series with Reb T. But in general, you think about miracles, there are open and hidden miracles. And in general, there are many miracles throughout our history, many, many times over, of course, as well. Let's look at what Rabbi Yonah says. He has a lot to say today, so bear with us. Ten miracles performed for the ancestors in Egypt. Our ancestors in Egypt were not afflicted with any of the plagues that struck Egypt. This fact is explicitly stated concerning each plague. One exception was the plague of lice, where it says the lice were on the people and the animals, without distinguishing between Egyptians and Jews. Our sages knew by tradition that the Jews also had lice, but the lice did not cause them suffering. Ten at the sea. The first was the splitting of the sea. It says this water split. And the second was that the water stood like an arch, so the Jews passed through a sort of tunnel with water above them. As it says, with his own staffs, he tunneled into the top of his outspread troops. And the third was that even though the wellsprings at the sea's depths were split open, there was no mud or clay on the seafloor as they normally would have been. Instead, the ground under their feet was dry as marble, so that the Jews all passed through the sea as one walks through his home without dirting their feet. Fourth was that the places where the Egyptians rode their horses turned into a sticky pitch-like substance, as it says, you trampled them in the sea with your horses, with mountains of abundant water. The Egyptians' horses were also in God's hands, so they are called your horses. The fifth was that the water solidified into an exceptionally hard substance, as tough as rocks and boulders, which hurt the Egyptians as they pursued the Jews. Concerning the stuff of Amalek said, you broke the heads of the crocodiles on the water. Crocodiles in this context refers to the Egyptians. Six miracles that the water split into twelve separate sections so that each tribe walked through on their own path, as it says, to he who divided the sea of reeds into parts. Parts in this poor usage means many parts. The seventh was that the walls of standing water between each tribe were as clear as transparent glass so that the tribes could see one another as they went through. Eighth miracle is that the water did not solidify into one solid sheet but into many pieces like bricks and tiles laid upon the one another. As it says, you shattered the sea with your might. The ninth was that the sweet drinking water in the sea did not solidify like the rest of the water. This water, which came from the various springs that flowed into the sea, remained liquid and they drank from it. Tenth miracle is that after they drank this water, it did not flow down to the floor of the sea, but solidified and froze. They drank what they wished. The rest froze and fell to the ground like a clump of snow. This happened every time they drank. And Hashem brought ten plagues upon the Egyptians. They are known by the acronym Tzach Adash Biachav. Dam, Tzifardeya, Blood, Frogs, Kinem, Lice, Ar, Adash, Arov, Wild Beasts, Dever, Pestilence, Shechin, Boils, Be'achav, Barad, Hail, Arbe, Locus, Choshech, Darkness, and Makas, Bechoros, Killing of the Firstborn. Of course, we go through the ten in the Seder, one by one. Some have a custom to lift their finger and to put the grape juice or the wine on the platter as well. So we know that the Tzach, Adash, Bechav, and it was actually written on the stick that Moshe Benu had, 
we believe that it was written there as well. And ten on the sea, the first miracle was he lit up the night. Uncle is strict. Translated, it was dark for the Egyptians. For the Jews, there was light at night. Second and third was God looked over the camp of Egypt with a pillar of fire and cloud. The cloud descended, turned their camp into mud, and the pillar of fire heated the mud to boiling so that the hooves of their horses fell off. Fourth was he removed the wheels from their chariots. God removed the wheels from their axles, and the Egyptians fell off and were crushed. Fifth, he caused them to drive with difficulty. They fell and were crushed and were unable to rise and remain where they fell. Sixth, the Egyptians wanted to flee but were unable to do so. As it says, Egypt said, I will flee before Israel. This was different than what happened to Sistro, who dismounted from his chariot and then fled on his feet. The Egyptians sank to the bottom of the sea and were incapable of flight. Seventh, and God shook the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Uncle translates this, and God churned. God shook them as one shakes a jar. What is on the top goes to the bottom. What is on the bottom goes to the top. Eighth, the seafloor swallowed them up as it says you planted with your right hand. They were swallowed by the earth. Ninth, they sank into the bottom of the sea as heavily as lead. As it says they sank like lead into the mighty waters. The tenth was that the sea spit them out again. As it says in Israel, so Egypt did on the seashore. And then our ancestors tested Hashem ten times. The first test was they said, Are there no graves in Egypt you brought us to die in the desert? Second was that the people complained against Moshe, saying, What shall we drink? A miracle was performed with him at the time God commanded Moshe to throw a type of wood into the bitter waters. Water became sweet. As it says, he cried out to God, and God showed him a tree. All right, sages said in Pesachim that it was a bitter tree. Moshe threw a bitter substance into a bitter liquid, and it miraculously turned sweet. Third, desert of sin. They asked for food, as it says, when we sat on the pot of meat. God sent them the quail. Fourth, is God in our midst or not, they said. We may compare this to a king who carried his son on his shoulders. The son was old enough to know better, yet he asked the pastor, Have you seen my father? How did the father respond? He threw him off his shoulders. The same was true of the Jewish people in the desert. God carried them on eagles' wings, and yet they asked, Is God in our midst? Or not? How did God respond? He sent Amalek to fight them. And the fifth was that they left over the manna for the following day, despite God's explicit command. The sixth was in Rafidim when there was no water for the congregation. They gathered against Moshe and Aram. The seventh was the golden camp at Chorev, as the people gathered around Aram and said to him, Get up and make a god for us. The eighth was the people complained it was evil in the ears of Hashem. Hashem punished them with fires. It says the fire of God burned among them, consumed at the edges of the camp. And for God is consuming fire, he is a jealous God. The ninth was in Kivrosa Ta'ava when the people asked, Who will feed us meat? Did they not already have meat? Every evening they receive quail, as we find in the verse, When God gave you meat to eat in the evening and bread, bread in the morning to satisfy you, just as the manna fell every morning without fail. Throughout the forty years in the desert, they also received the quail every evening without fail. What was their complaint? They wanted to have their fill of meat in the evening, the way they had their fill of manna in the morning. Concerning this, Moshe said, Can sheep and cattle be slaughtered to suffice for them? Moshe said before God, They already have large quantities of meat. The request stems only from wickedness, just because they are stiff-necked people. If you give them an abundance of additional meat, they will still complain without end. Even if all the sheep and cattle in the world would be slaughtered, they will still open their mouths wider. God replied, Is God's hand limited? I will give them as much meat as they want, and they will not be able to complain that they are not satisfied. God then brought them vast quantities of quail. They spread their birds out all around the camp. They collected vast amounts of quail until they were unable to consume any more. The smallest amount anyone took was ten measures. This is the simple meaning of the verses which show us that Moshe did not sin when he questioned God. The sages of the Talmud explain this differently. In Yoma, Rabbi Kiva says, If you slaughter sheep and cows for them, would that be enough for them? The tenth complaint was in the desert of Paran, when they sent the spies to see the land of Canaan. Here it says they have tested me these 
ten times. So in general, remember that there are so many things Hashem does for us, so many miracles open and hidden. We just have to look for them. We just have to appreciate. See the Yad Hashem. See how there's Hashkacha practice every day in our lives. And understand also, don't test Hashem. Don't ask Hashem. Unless you're doing tzedakah and you're doing as much tzedakah as you can, hopefully Hashem will get it back to you. Hashem says he'll get it back to you. Mirza Hashem, he will get it back to you. But in general, do what you can to give, to give, to give, not to test Hashem, be involved in looking for, searching for, and appreciating the miracles that are in our life every single day. Join us next time as we talk about the 10 miracles that happen in the temple here on the PAL with Reb T. And I'm your host, Reb T.